V1 Church, come on, let's just begin to pray together right now. God is moving so powerfully in this service, but I just feel that we need to take the next 30 seconds as an entire church across all of our campuses and begin to pray in the Spirit. Now, for some of you who do not have the gift of tongues, this may be new for you, but I wanna encourage you, the Bible actually talks about tongues building you up, tongues being mysteries that you speak. And so right now in this atmosphere of worship. I feel that we just need to begin to take 30 seconds all over every single space and begin to speak in tongues because some of us are going to be interceding for things that are happening in the spiritual realm. Come on, you can begin to pray right now. Some of us are all already just speaking to a situation and you're going to thwart it. You're going to stop it from happening because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is going to use you as a vessel to communicate and to begin to release declarations and prayers that cancel assignments. Come on, let's just continue to pray. Dig in a little bit more. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you across Indiana. Father, I thank you across Long Island and in New York City, the incense is rising of our intercession and our prayer. Father, I thank you that you're raising up prayer warriors and intercessors who are unashamedly and unapologetically going to go and contend in the spiritual realm, cancel assignments that are going to begin to speak the things that aren't as though they are. And Father, I thank you that as one church, we are united in prayer. And Father, I just thank you right now. Come on, let's take 10 more seconds and just press in. Father, I thank you that families are being restored. Prodigals are coming home. When we pray in tongues, we're speaking and prophesying in the spiritual realm about our own children. Father, I thank you that we're speaking into financial situations and we don't even know what we're saying at times because your Holy Spirit is praying through us. But I believe, Father, that if we will become a people of prayer, then Lord, that we will, we will begin to affect change in the spiritual realm that will begin to happen in the natural realm. Come on, across every single campus, if you come into agreement with what I just said, would you shout amen right now? Come on, amen, amen. Listen, that was powerful. There is power in prayer. Can somebody just shout amen one more time? If you believe that the effective, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Are there some prayer warriors here? Come on, amen, amen. Well, we're getting ready to get into the Word today. Why don't you high-five several people and just tell them that it's going down today. If you're watching Global Online, you, why don't you just say hello in the chat right now. Just uh, let us know where you're watching from. Today is a monumental day for the history of our church, so I'm going to give you a time to get seated, whether it's on your couch or your floor in your revival home. I know some of our revival homes are so full. I see pictures of people sitting on the floor and if you're here uh, on Long Island or Northwest Indiana and our brand new building still smells like paint, uh, just take a seat right now and get your notepads ready, get your pens ready. As a matter of fact, you can find the notes for today 
actually on the V1 Church mobile app. So if you haven't downloaded the V1 Church mobile app, go to the app store right now and type in V1 Church, download it. You can find my notes there and you can add to my notes, download them directly to your phone. Um, But I'm old school, so pen and paper is all right. Well, hey, I just want to tell you guys, I'm so proud of you for coming back. Last week, I asked that you would all raise your hands for, uh, I'm going to come in every single week through the month of September for this series, and some of you reluctantly said, okay, you got me, but you're here. You know, uh, I want to start with something funny as you get your Bibles open and get your notes ready. I I was laughing the other day because before I left for Canada, where we had our last and final revival tour day, my daughter, Bella, she said, Dad, we have an emergency. Now, she's 15 years old, so I'm like, okay, what could this possibly be? She pulled me aside and she said, before you go to Canada, before you preach another sermon, whether it's the simulcast on video or in person, your eyebrows are all out of whack and we've got to fix them now. (laughs) I obviously do not care about my eyebrows, but I want you to notice right now they're on fleek because I have a 15-year-old daughter and I know this is cringy, but I told her, I said, I said, Bella, what's so wrong with my eyebrows? Because I don't see it, you know? And, And she said, Dad, you've got some wiry long ones sticking out and that you look like an old guy, and then you've got, no offense to my old guys, but you may need to, you know, find a place in Queens to jump into and get your eyebrows fixed. I don't know. And then she said, then you got all, all these hairs above, and then some of them are below, and they're all up in your eyelid, and it just, you're, you're, you're looking bad. You're looking rough, Dad. So then she takes me into her room, and it looked like she was doing a surgery on me, and I'm giggling through this, because I remember changing her diapers, and I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, I never imagined there'd be a time where my 15-year-old daughter has like, you know, the razor and the tweezer. And so then when she gets done, she's like, oh, that was so satisfying. She's like, now you're ready. Now you're ready for the simulcast. Now you're ready for service. So Bella, um, I did it for you. I hope you're proud of dad. (laughs) But we're going to start part two of this series called I Love My Church. And how many of you know the problems you see you were created to fix? I didn't see nothing wrong with my eyebrows, but my daughter did, and it was satisfying for her her to use her gifts and talents to fix her dad's face. And so here's the thing. We don't, she didn't reject her dad. She didn't come out of relationship with her dad. She didn't pack up her stuff and move out of the house. She actually said, dad, I see the problem, but I'm equipped to fix it. Here's the thing. Welcome to the local church. We've got problems, but you don't come out of relationship with the local church. You don't leave the church. You use the gifts that God has given you to fix the local church, to come in and build this thing together. Can we just get a good multi-site hearty amen on that? Come on. Y'all know I can hear you through this screen, so you better be good and loud today because this is a teaching more than a preaching, so stay awake. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and in other words, you're selfish, and he rages against all wise judgment. So when you isolate yourself and you come out of the local church and out of regular weekly attendance, you seek your own desire and you rage against all wise judgment. I wanna start because I'm gonna give you seven reasons 
why the church is the most powerful group on the entire planet. I'm gonna give you seven reasons today why the local church is the most powerful group on the planet. But before we do that, I wanna deal with some objections to local church attendance. And these are things that I've heard over and over and over again. I'm gonna show you through scripture how the local church is the most powerful group on the entire planet. I'm gonna give you seven biblical reasons, but I wanna start by voicing some of the concerns that your friends and family members, or maybe you yourself have said. Um, but I've been hurt by the church, Pastor Mike. I've been so hurt by the church, and so I try to go here and there, and I like V1 Church, but I've been hurt by the church, and it's just hard for me to get comfortable here. Well, let me just tell you, you have not been hurt by the church. You've actually been hurt by a finite number of people who attended whatever church you were hurt at. As a matter of fact, when I was a teenager, and I, you all know I was raised in the hood, I was actually jumped by four guys from a different race. Now, can you imagine if I said, you know, I don't associate with that race anymore because four members of that race, they actually jumped me, they broke my ribs, they stole my jacket. Matter of fact, if I chose to disassociate myself with an entire race because four guys from that race jumped me when I was a teenager, you would actually call me a racist. So what do you call people who disconnect from the local church because they were hurt by the church? I don't know, but I just, you, you understand that I would be racist if I disassociated with an entire race because of what four people from that race did to me. You would call me a racist. And so if you disconnect from the local church from what a handful of people from the church did to you, um, you're missing out. You're missing out. Come on, somebody. Is this speaking to you already today? Come on, because this is freedom. We're going to deal with these things. Here's another one. Well, I'm just too busy to go to church. I'm too busy to go to church. You know, I've got things to do. Saturday's family time. Sunday's when I do my laundry and do the dishes and get caught up. I only have a couple days off, Pastor Mike. Friday night is when I've got to take kids to uh, the different events that they have. I'm just too busy. I will tell you this in response to that excuse. On your deathbed, you will regret many things about the way that you spent your time. But I guarantee you, in the moments before you get ready to meet your maker, you will not regret coming to church every single Sunday. I will tell you that. You'll regret many things, but you won't be thinking about your laundry. You won't be thinking about your dishes. You're gonna say the great mystery of what happens on the other side is getting ready to be revealed to me. And, and was I faithful? Was I loyal to him and his plan? Or was I loyal to my own life? Here's the next excuse I hear all the time. I know this is good, y'all. I know I'm speaking right up into your business. Come on. Can't I just do church alone, though, Pastor Mike, at my own house with my own family? You know, can't I just watch it on TV or online? Can't I just take church with me on a podcast as I'm driving to, you know, work the next day? Isn't that enough? No, 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 because here's the problem with that. You are thinking of church as being a ritual that happens on Sunday instead of realizing that it is a gathering of believers with God's anointed leadership and God's anointing, anointed gifts to all believers. It's a family, not an event. And so God has a fullness for you. And when you disassociate yourself from local church and church leadership, you are actually appointing yourself. 100% of the people that I know who say, 
I just left the local church, I don't come on Sunday, and I watch on TV, I watch via, I listen via podcast. Those people are self-appointed. And what they're saying is, I'm the eldership of my house, I'm the pastor of my, my house, I'm the deacons of my house, I'm the person over, I'm everything. And, and it's funny how, they, how some people will say, well, I don't wanna go to that church because that, you know, I don't like that pastor or those, those leaders, but they don't realize that by only participating in church at home, they are self-appointed leadership with no accountability, which makes them hypocritical because they've become the very thing that they speak out against. And so God has a better plan than that. And, and, and we're gonna talk about what those seven biblical attributes of church look like because you might be wrestling with, with this question. Here's another, and this is the last five, couple that I wanna deal with. Um, I just don't believe in organized religion. I just don't believe in organized religion. That's why I don't go to church on Sunday. But that's one of the most foolish reasons because imagine disorganized religion. That, that doesn't work. Well, let's just all randomly show up to the building whenever we feel like it and hope we all show up at the same time. Hey, I'm just never gonna write a sermon and I'm just gonna hope that God uses me uh, prophetically every time I stand up there and I'm never gonna show myself faithful to the scriptures. Like, what's the opposite of organized religion? Disorganized religion? You know, we're not gonna have accountability. We're gonna let everybody do whatever they want whenever they wanna do it and teach false doctrine and teach whatever they feel. And so, you know, here's the other thing. If people say, I don't believe in organized religion, here's the other side of it. Did you know that you're, we're all religious? And so you, what is your religion? Maybe it's secular humanism where there is no God, but you're the God of your own life. Well, let me ask you a question. How's that working for you? You're probably depressed, discouraged. Um, I don't want to be my source and my supply. Can somebody just say amen to that? I don't want to be the beginning and the end of my entire life. I'm not the alpha and the omega. As a matter of fact, I'm a Christian because the end of my strength is the beginning of his strength. The end of my knowledge is the beginning of godly knowledge. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So how many of you want to know what God has to say? Well, then I'm gonna end on this one for, for these excuses. Well, I just can't find a good church. It's so hard to find a good church. Well, you're in one right now. I didn't say a perfect church. I said a good church. I didn't say the best church. I said a good church. You're in a good church right now. And so there are good churches, not perfect. Sometimes the music's too loud. Sometimes it's too quiet. Sometimes I preach on something that you want to hear about, and sometimes I don't. But thank God for spiritual parents that feed you broccoli when you would survive off of a diet of Twinkies. If you are allowed to go in the way of your preferences, how's that working out for you? You can eat whatever you want, however you want. How's your health? Thank God for spiritual parents that say, I won't let you learn whatever you want, whenever you want. I'm going to lead our house and feed you what your shepherd, the great shepherd, wants you to have. And, you know, this is not a perfect church, but it's a good church. And, and you're, you know, if you say, I can't find a good church, well, here's good news to you. We have digital systems where you can belong to V1 around the world. You can come into connect groups, which is church in circles of five, six, seven people who know you intimately, not just church in rows. You can, you can, um, you can come out regionally when we do events around the world to get baptized and prayed for personally, and we're ri rising up. And so, 
you know, let me just establish a few things as we're halfway through this message. Church is not a building. Write this down in your notes. Church is not a building. Jesus did not die for a building. Right now, we have, we're taking over your house as a revival house that becomes the building where we do church and we have church and we are the church. This uh, Long Island was a bar and now it's a church, but, it, but the church is not a building. It's a place where we do church and have church. Indiana, we were in a bar and a club and now we are in a church that was of another denomination and we flipped it and we're doing stuff <laughs> right there in the Indiana building that they would have gotten trouble for doing in the last denomination. Why? Because it's not the building. Jesus didn't die for a building. The local church is not an institution. Here's the definition. It's not a place to go to. It's not an event that you attend. It's a spiritual family that you belong to. Let me say this again. Church is not a place to go to. Church is not an event that I attend, that you attend. It's a spiritual family that you belong to. Why is the church the most important group on earth? Isn't it funny that we have problems with church attendance because we have problems with family attendance? We have families that don't eat dinners together, and we have Christians that don't come to church on Sunday. And, and so it's the same thing. It's not an event that you attend. It's a family that you belong to, but you don't know what it, it's like to eat dinner with your family, so you don't know what it's like to attend a, a service with your church family. And, and so that's why spiritual fathers are needed like never before to say, hey, I want you to show up for dinner just like I want you to show up for church service. It's not about the event. It's about a family. We, one day a week, our family's got to come together. One day a week, our family has to, has to cry together and laugh together and pray together and join together. But why is the church the most important group on earth? I'm going to give you seven biblical reasons. So here's the first one. The church is actually God's family. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, we are now members of God's own family. So you see the word members? We're not a member of an institution. We're, we're a member of God's family according to first Peter chapter one, verse three. And so first Timothy chapter three, verse 15 goes further and says the family is the, the family is the church of the living God. So God wanted a family. That's what he wanted. So he created this universe, and then he created many planets and all the terrestrial beings that you see, the stars, all those things, and then all of a sudden, he created planet Earth because he said, I want a family. And 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, the family is the church of the living God. It's the only reason that God created the universe. There are not aliens on other planets. There, there, I'm telling you, there, the conditions for life were finely tuned. Astrophysicists know this. If we were a degree in either direction, we are, are completely incinerated with the, by the sun, or we are, uh, it's so cold that it's inhabitable. It, our universe is finely tuned to create the conditions that produce life. We were created in the image and likeness of God. You did not descend from anything else other than the breath of God as he formed us out of the dirt of this earth and breathed into the nostrils of that dirt, his breath, and created man. Woman was created out of man. Come on, somebody. I just got to say this because people don't know what I'm saying right now. And, and the conditions of our earth facilitate the family of God. 
First Timothy chapter three, verse 15 goes a step further and says, the family is the church of the living God. Jesus said, you're either a son of Satan, you're a son of God, which means not all of humanity are the family of God, but rather those who cry out, adopt me, Jesus, through your blood, wash me clean and make me a part of this family. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us. So then the question is, will we choose him? And when you say yes, you come into the family of God, which according to scripture is the church. God is using the church, number two, for his eternal purposes. Ephesians chapter three, verse 10 says, through Christians like yourself gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is being made known. And so why is the church the most important group on the planet? It's more important than any business. It's more important than any country. It's more important than any army because God himself is using the church for his eternal purposes. Listen, Rome doesn't exist anymore right? Kings and kingdoms all pass away. The queen just died recently in England. And so we see this, but the eternal purposes of God that will last longer than any business or company are being, uh, are coming to pass through the church. This is why we're the most important group on the planet. And Jesus died for us a church, according to Ephesians 5.25. He didn't die for a country. He didn't die for a business so that you could become wealthy. He didn't die for a school or a college or a university. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says he died for his church, which is why it's so silly to think that you can have Jesus and not have a church because Jesus died for his church. It's so silly to say these things like I'm not gonna gather together when he prayed that we would all become one. Oh, okay, it's the only thing, this is the next one, it's the only thing on earth that's going to last forever. There's, there's one thing on this entire planet that is going to last forever, and it's his church. According to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, glory will belong to God in his church and in Christ Jesus for all time and for all eternity. Everything you buy with money, the home that you painted the walls and put the pictures of your family on, the meals that you cooked when you were scrambling eggs and making omelets on Sunday morning instead of going to church and you were with your family and you wanted to preserve those family memories. So, so all, it's all gone. It, no matter how good we get at preserving planet earth, no matter how much we steward our climate and we try to take every measure to extend the, li the, the shelf life of planet earth, it's all going to pass away. It's all going to pass away. But one thing that's on planet earth now will remain and it is the church which is our eternal spirits united together as the body of Christ. Man, I'll tell you, you might not be shouting me down as much today, but I feel the power of God on this like never before because when you stick up for the bride of Christ, you're sticking up for Christ. And when you advocate the church, you connect yourself to the blessing and favor of God. And that's why my family, when we wake up on a Sunday, it's funny because Everly, she can't tell what day of the week it is yet, especially on summer vacation. Y'all remember that? And before school started, it was like every day of the week, she'd say, is it Sunday yet? Is it Sunday yet? Is it Sunday yet? And then finally I'd say, okay, Everly, it's Sunday. And she said, yes, I'm gonna learn about Jesus and be with my friends and V1 kids. 
And she's got a big old stack of B1 Kids books, and she's buying all kinds of stuff. She's like a mogul. But in my family, church is not, you know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I wasn't mad. I wasn't sad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And so glory will belong to God and his church in Christ Jesus for eternity. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, we will be with the Lord together forever. So the church is the only group that Jesus said would succeed. This is the next one. The church is the only group that Jesus said would succeed. The Kiwanis, the Key Club, come on somebody, the YMCA, the local gym, whatever group you're a part of, your MMA, like my daughter who's in boxing right now, watch out. Nothing. You're a, you, you might be an alumni of a prestigious university and you love wearing your, your alumni sweater. Um, the, the church is, this is the most important group on the planet because Jesus said, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail, pre prevail against it. So this is the next one, okay? The greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's church. I'm gonna prove this to you biblically. I know that it's a privilege to be a part of elite groups. You know, people say, oh, I'm Mensa. I took an IQ test and I'm a part of a group that says that I have a higher level of intelligence than the population. And that's a privilege. I used to be a Boy Scout of America and we had badges and we would wear our, you know, the, there's other people who join the military and then they climb the ranks of the military. There's Navy SEALs. It's such a privilege to be a part of that. But, but the greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's church. First Peter chapter one, verse three says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members. There's that word again, members of God's own family. It's the greatest privilege to be a part of it. Now do you see why you get scrutinized? Now do you see why your friends reject? Because they have an opposite spirit. They're, they're a part of another family. They're, they're controlled by demonic influence. And so of course they're gonna speak out against the church. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse three says, God has given us the privilege. It's a privilege to be born of God's family. It, it, it's, it's a privilege to be born again and to, be, and to become members of God's family. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? Why do you think the devil attacks you? He's attacking the real temple. It, it, there's putting graffiti on the building and trying to destroy the physical building and it doesn't matter because you're the temple of God because the spirit of God lives in within you, which is why you get attacked, not physical buildings. But that's also pointing to the great privilege that we have. And so these have been the seven reasons why the local church is the most important group on the planet. It's the most important thing. And people say, well, maybe we'll just give up church. But then logically, do you give up marriage? 
then because marriage is an institution of the church, marriage is a covenant that's established by the church. As a matter of fact, it's when I signed a marriage certificate, those sacred solemn vows that I say, and there's people that they wanna use the pastor and use the church for a marriage, but then not come together like the family of God. And what that shows me is they don't understand what the church really is. And if we're gonna give up marriage, do we give up funerals? Because when we do funerals, we are taking of the family and, and we're taking everybody through that process of grieving and lamenting and we're pointing to the significance of the life of that person. And so if we take away church and church attendance, do we take away marriages? And then if we take away marriages, do we take away funerals? And then if we take away funerals, do we take, do we take away Christmas? Because Christmas is when we come together as family, blood-related genetic family, and we celebrate the birth of Christ, but how foolish is it to not come together like a Christmas celebration every Sunday to say there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, there's no longer Italian or Irish, but there is just, this is our true family. And so how ironic that we have Christmas to celebrate with our biological family, but then we dismiss the very privilege that that baby Jesus who grew to be a man and died on a cross, come on, so that we could come together and do this. How far will we go if we eliminate regular church attendance? We must also eliminate marriage. We must also eliminate funerals. We must also eliminate Christmas. It's all or it's nothing in this season. God never intended for you to exist in isolation. This is a call to loyalty. This is a call to faithfulness. This is a call to consistency. This is a call to say either I believe that the church is the most powerful group on the planet because it is the family of God coming together every week or I don't. I dare say how could you have Christ without having his body? How could you have Christ without having the body of believers? It's where it all comes together. I want to end by telling you a story about my uh, father-in-law, and, and I know the band is um, kind of helping through this moment right now. We're getting ready to pray because there's, there's an atmosphere, there's a shift that's happening in your heart. My father-in-law, when he went to his daughter, which is my wife, Julie, you know, and I'm learning how to, to father my daughters, and I learned a lot from Randy in the time that I got to spend with him before his passing, and he had asked uh, he had asked my, my wife, uh, and this was before we got married, we were just dating and things were getting serious and it looked as if it was gonna turn into engagement, which would turn into marriage. And he said, uh, he said to Julie, he said, Julie, um, does he tithe? Julie, does he attend church every Sunday? And Julie, does he speak? <laughs> does he speak in tongues? You know, at the time, I thought that was such a foolish question at like, what does it matter? Do I tithe? Do I attend church every Sunday? And do I speak in tongues? And that was what Randy Owens wanted to know about for his daughter. And now listen, I, I had been a horrible husband and made many mistakes, but I will tell you this, over all the years, the, the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, it's for edification and to build yourself up. When you speak in tongues, you speak mysteries. And what Randy was saying is if that guy has the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of him, if, that, if, if Mike Signorelli speaks in tongues, what that shows is that he's gonna yield, he's gonna submit to the authority of God in his life through the 
Holy Spirit. And there's some things that Mike Signorelli won't be able to figure out for his family in the future. But if Mike Signorelli speaks in tongues, he's going to begin to speak mysteries into the atmosphere. He's, he's going to transcend whatever he, his limitations as a man. And if that man shows up to church every Sunday, he might be messed up now, but he's going to be changed by the preaching. He's going to be shaped by the Word of God. He's going to learn how to become a husband and a man of God. He's going to learn. He knew there was something about consistency because I'll tell you this, if someone can't come to church every Sunday, there's some so many other areas of their life that are inconsistent. But he was saying, I know that if that guy shows up every week, he's the kind of guy who's loyal. He's the kind of guy who says yes to change. He's the kind of guy who says yes to getting better and going on that journey. And then he said, does he tithe? <laughs> and I will tell you this, what he was actually saying is, yeah, he might be spending some of his money on alcohol now. He might be spending some of his money frivolously on other different things. But if that guy's a tither, he knows how to seek God first. He knows who his source really is. He knows that God's the one who gives increase. God's the one who provides a job. And see, tithing is not giving your money. It's giving back what God already empowered you to have. And so what he was saying is, you, what he was saying was, for Mike to be the, a real husband, is he a tither? Does he give his money every time he gets paid back to God 10%? Does, does he, because there's something about that that shows everything else. There's something about just him saying, I'm gonna set this as, he has remembered God in his finances. He's remembered God in his finances. He's remembered what God brought him from. And then if he shows up every Sunday at church, he's remembered God in his schedule. And he's saying, God, you're the one who is my being and my breath. You're the reason. I feel the power of God all over this because the world has abandoned these things. The, to the world, this doesn't make sense. But Randy knew. He said, because see, my father-in-law came from brokenness. My father-in-law came from poverty. My father-in-law came from all those, uh, all those things. His marriage was supposed to be messed up. It was doomed from the beginning. But he was telling his daughter, these are the things that kept our family. This is why we're able to go on vacation. This is why I kept getting promoted on the job. This is why my children married as virgins and remained pure. This is why you, you have your right mind and don't have to spend $50,000 on, on reoccurring charges of, of going to get counseling because I raised you guys as oaks of righteousness and I planted you in the local church. And so why do I say all this? Because people will say, I don't want to tithe. I don't want to show up to church every week. But then they end up being forced to show up for counseling for the rest of their life. You're gonna pay for it somewhere. But if you will dig into the ways of God and break that cycle, I had to spend years of my life in counseling. But here's the thing, I got on the other side of all that and I was able to say, God, I've now learned your sacred ways. God, I've now gotten these, I've righted the wrongs. God, I've distanced myself from the past and those past failures and I'm getting consistency. I'm becoming loyal to the vision of your house. And now all of a sudden, Bella and Everly will not have my story. And, and see, if you're, if, you're, if you're feeling this in the spirit of something, because we're getting ready to pray, I wanna pray over our entire church right now. The thing is, you gotta get to the point where you say, my, listen, if there's divorce in your family, it's because your mother or your father was inconsistent. So don't you bring that inconsistency into your tithe and into your church attendance. 
don't you do that. If, the, if you're, if, if, because I'm telling you, people who struggle with addiction, the, the, their real problem is inconsistency. They don't do that thing all the time. They do that thing sometimes, but then they relapse to it over and over and over again. And so don't allow that, that it's like that addictive spirit to come into your life and rob you of consistency. You've got to dig in and say, I, I don't, I'm so confused. But this thing I do know, in my finances, I will always set aside a portion for God. In my week, I will always set aside a service to go to every single week and sing with them and laugh with them and cry with them. In, in my time, I will always do these things. And as you install those and, and, and I'm always gonna pray. I'm gonna wake up and do, today I did it on the drive over. I didn't feel like praying. Sometimes you don't feel like praying. But I didn't feel like speaking in tongues. I didn't feel like it, but guess what? I just started to do it anyways. And all of a sudden, three minutes later, four minutes later, my breakthrough comes. I feel my breakthrough. I feel God moving. I don't feel like giving my money, but all of a sudden I say, God, I'm gonna yield. I'm gonna, because when I die, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. For some of you right now, you've never been consistent, but I wanna end with this prayer because I'm gonna pray over you like a spiritual father. Just like Randy said, Julie, you can marry him. Marry him if, he, if, he, if he's a giver and he's generous. Marry him if he's always gonna set aside time to go to church every Sunday. And marry him if he speaks in tongues. Listen, I wanna end with that wisdom here. Why is the church the most powerful group on the planet? It's because we're the most relentless. We're the ones that never stop praying. We're the ones that never stop giving. We're the ones that never stop ministering. We're the ones that say, I'm gonna be consistent in this. I'm gonna show up. When every other organization has given up on this neighborhood, the church has not given up on this neighborhood. When every other church is, when every other person has given up on marriages, we're not giving up on your marriage. We're relentless, we're consistent. And so let me pray for you because Peter, last week we learned he suffered with inconsistency. He had to get corrected. He had to get rebuked by Paul later on. But Paul corrected him. Paul rebuked him. Paul ended up coming to him and saying, hey, you, you're getting off a little bit. I've got to dial you back in. You've been off your way. So some of you are saying, yeah, you know what? I've been off. I, 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 I sometimes go, sometimes don't. Sometimes give, sometimes don't. Sometimes pray, sometimes don't. And, and listen, you hear sermons that hype you up. And maybe this one didn't hype you up, but this will help you more than anything else. We're getting ready to pray right now because if you will lock in and say, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna give, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna give, and I'm gonna go. You will step in to the next level of your life. So everyone lift your hands right now across every location. Lift your hands right now. Come on, this is a sign of surrender. I want everybody right now, come on, stand to your feet. If you haven't already, just stand to your feet and lift your hands up. Come on, let's do this. I want 100% participation. Just stand to your feet, lift your hands towards heaven right now, and just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I choose the greatest privilege to belong to your family. I choose to walk in consistency, to faithfully walk this out. I choose to give, to pray, and to go. I choose to be your church. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, help me just welcome up 
You guys can just remain standing. I just want to share with you just some encouragement off the end of that sermon. You know, church is vital. It's vital. And I know we live in a culture that tries to make church irrelevant. We live in a culture that tries to water down the teachings of Jesus. We live in a culture that tries to make church look outdated or old fashioned. But let me tell you, church is still vital to the kingdom. It's still vital to the kingdom. It's important for your life. It is God's plan A for the kingdom. Did you know that? God doesn't have like, well, maybe if they just get it together, we'll do something different. No, this is God's plan A. The gathering of the saints, the gathering of the brethren. Here's the thing, we just came off Domino Tour and we traveled out of the country for a little bit of that. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when I travel, I'm what you call a traveling doomsday prepper. I've got Pepto, I've got Band-Aids, I've got Advil. Like if you are traveling and you are a bad packer, you're good with me. Like I got you. I got extra outfits, socks, shoes, like I got you. And one of the things is when you travel overseas, especially if there's like anything going on in the world or heightened um, threats of security, you need to know where the embassy is. And if you've never been out of the country, all you have to do is drive through New York City and you have every embassy that you could ever think of. Why are embassies so important? Embassies represent the sovereignty of, or they represent the sovereignty of the nation. So for example, when you come to the embassy of Mexico in New York City, the laws of the US, as soon as you step foot into that property, it's the sovereignty of Mexico that it exists. And here's the thing about the kingdom, is the church is not gonna sound like modern culture because we are an embassy of heaven. So when you walk into this territory, it's the sovereignty of God's word that reigns and rules here in this environment. And the cool thing about embassies is if you get in trouble and you get to an embassy, they have the power to pass judgment on your decision. Now, what do I mean by judgment? I'm not talking about negative things, although I'm sure there probably have been negative situations with that. I'm talking about decisions. A judgment in a court is a decision that's made. And so when, when I was growing up in church, we grew up in a denomination and everywhere we traveled, we would look for our church in that community. I don't know if you grew up in a denomination. You're like, oh, look, there we are. We were church of God of prophecy. You know what I mean? Like we were old school, but I don't know if anybody's that. Anyways. We would go into like different vacation destinations and, and we'd be like, oh, there's our, there's our church. And it was something about knowing that that place existed where if you needed anything, that's where you could go. 
It's so important for you as parents to raise your children up, to recognize church as a vital part of your community because there's gonna be a time that you're not there for them, that they need to know where are the embassies. I need a judgment from heaven on my behalf. I need a situation to turn in my favor. Church is vital for your family. So here's the thing. Embassies have the power to release judgment in your situation. The kingdom of heaven has the power to release judgment. So what are some decisions that can be made in the corporate church? Can I just share some with you? Every time we preach Jesus, we are in agreement with the judgment, the decision of heaven. So every Sunday that you come in and someone is preaching and proclaiming our Lord until he comes, you are in agreement with heaven. It says in 2 Corinthians, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservant for Jesus' sake. Let me tell you another judgment, another decision. Communion. Every time we come together as a body of as a body of believers and we take the cup and we talk about his blood and we take the bread and we talk about his body, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And that that judgment, that decision has the right to declare healing over your body. Healing over your finances, healing over your mind. Here's another decision of the corporate church. Baptism. When we come together and we baptize our brothers and sisters in Christ, our new disciples, what we're saying as a church is we are agreeing with the judgment of heaven that the past has gone into the water and the new man is coming up. Church is vital. Here's another judgment, prayer corporate prayer corporate in-person prayer prayer is vital to your spiritual health coming into agreement when we go into those zoom and intercession rooms and we come together and we speak God's word over a circumstance or we speak God's word over a territory we are coming together with the decision of heaven to say God's will will be fulfilled in this circumstance here's another judgment that we come together in as a church praise we lift up our hands as we say God you're worthy you're holy we give you praise God you're more than we could ever ask or think here's another one confession when we come together and we confess our sins here at the altar or we confess our sins in our global prayer room Here's the thing, the forgiveness was from Jesus, but the confession will heal your soul. We don't do isolation. If you knew the power of your connect group, when you come together and you start confessing your sins to one another, I'm telling you, if you knew how powerful it was to come into agreement with your brother or sister and say, we are pleading heaven for the salvation 
children you wouldn't miss because it's vital. Here's another one, fellowship. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, as serious as I am. But coming together in our team nights, or coming together before service and laughing, or sending each other funny memes on the internet, that is fellowship. Here's another one. This is the last one. A decision when we come together into the embassy of the kingdom and we begin to worship God corporately, there's something so powerful that happens as a church that we begin to say, yet though he slay me, I will praise him. Yet my body is sick, I will begin to worship him. Yet my marriage is in shambles, but I'm standing on God's word. Though my child might be a prodigal, I'm gonna stand on his promises that they're yes and amen, that he cannot fail and he will not fail. Let's worship him, church. Come on, lift up your hands. Begin to sing this out. Oh, we declare your good works. Come on, begin to give him a praise. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you we could come together and begin to worship your name. You are worthy. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, we're gonna have our prayer team come. We're gonna have our pastors come. We're just gonna begin to receive you in prayer. If you need to say, Julie, I need to connect with a saint. I need someone to pray about my circumstance. I need freedom. I need healing. I need deliverance. We want you to come. These altars are open. Church is vital. Do not do life alone. Do not do life at home. You don't have to come to this church, but you need to go to one. Amen. And so these, these altars are just gonna be open to receive you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're gonna do in the lives. God, we thank you for those who are visiting today. God, that you're gonna reveal to them a place to call home. God, we thank you for church. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and we're not ridiculed. God, we thank you that we can come together and it's not illegal right now. God, we thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth and in power and might. And Father, we love you and we love your bride. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen.